Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitters of the National League. We got fresh, frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah. I got a MF wagon. <laughs> like, let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate all of you listening. I am Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my sententious co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Uh, please be sure to find us on Twitter and to follow the show there at Half Street High Heat. You can find our handles there for our individual accounts. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which we update daily with outtakes from the podcast, great articles, the latest videos from the YouTube channel, and lots more. And speaking of the YouTube channel, make sure you check us out there as well at The Rundown with Half Street High Heat. And how you guys doing? Long time no talk. Battling a pretty severe hangnail right now. and uh, The thoughts and prayers. I, I missed my last start. And I'm day to day currently, but it's not looking good. Not going to be able my, to be for ready my, for opening day. Yeah, I, I'm hoping I can get through it, but it's it's pretty it's a it's a nasty one. Wow, we all have our crosses to bear, I suppose. I know, right? <laughs> Ryan, how are you? I'm just vibing. There's no yeah. other way. You sound just so much right? better today. I'm just I've, vibing. I've, 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 I miss that crisp, crisp <laughs> voice. Did you get your laptop situation resolved with Apple? I did, yes. It went through a very long reset process. Um, it took a couple hours. By a couple hours, maybe like six or seven hours. Jeez. And then once that was all done, my computer was back on and everything's running good. So, yeah, life's good. Isn't your computer fairly new, too? Yeah, like... It was weird. The speaker stopped working. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Because I was trying to watch a YouTube video and I couldn't hear anything. So then I was talking to them. You were trying then, to watch the rundown with Half Street High Heat. I was. Yeah. I absolutely. The was. only yeah, thing any of us can watch will ever watch on YouTube. It's <laughs> right, the only thing right, worth watching. Right. Yeah, like I think I have like a 2017, 2018 MacBook, but like I had no speakers. I was like, awesome. Fantastic. So then I was talking to them, and they're like, all right, the next steps you have to do on your own. And I do that annoying, like, command-shift-R thing right away. I mean, just, 
basically all of it they make you do on your own like if we're being real <laughs> but like apple's claim to fame right? i have a pc so i don't have an apple but yeah, well that's absolutely disgusting that's a war crime yeah a war crime but i thought the claim to fame was that they don't have weird crap like that happen to their stuff like you don't they don't have, have viruses well that's nice do you do, oh, do you drink the sani water um, I drink, I just bring water with me. I refill them. I don't oh, really God. I, I would have, I would have kicked you off if you did that. That's, that's a war crime right there. I have a giant, one of those double wall metal cups, you know, the insulated cups that will hold ice for like two days. And I fill that up with me anytime I leave the house and take it with me. There's too much plastic in the ocean. I have breaking news. Breaking news. What is it? Breaking news. Um, through the utilization of a screwdriver, I have, uh, defeated this hangnail. A screwdriver? Yeah. How does how did the logistics of that work? Flathead screwdriver, get up under it and um, poke it up just enough to rip off. Oh. Now we're, now we're good. All right. Um, Congratulations. Gonna my, yeah, I'm going to make my next start. We're good. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, on that note, I guess we should move on and get our next start going, which is our quick pitch for tonight. Is Starlin Castro our opening day third baseman? I'm going to say yeah. I think so, too. Um, I mean, it's not ideal, and I mean, he's. It seems like it was just a cramp, but he he's a little banged up right now, which is obviously not what you want to hear when you're a week away from opening day. But um, hopefully, they just kind of give him this next week to take off. Um, and was he in the lineup today? No, he's no. getting an MRI. So I oh. have the full quote. Yeah, he's okay. getting MRI in his hamstring. So I think Carter Keyboom is going to be the starting opening day third baseman, oh. but. Kiruma has been pretty bad this this spring training. We've talked about that um, a lot. They put Castro uh, third, and then Davies said, quote, this doesn't mean anything. He insisted, we just want to see what this looks like right now. Carter is going to get an opportunity to play third base. We'll see how it looks. This is the last week. We've got to hone in on some things. No decisions have been made yet, but we want to make sure we take the 26 best guys that we can possibly take. Mm -hmm. For you to say this doesn't mean anything, and then you literally say, yeah, he's not the guy right now. we got to figure out who the hell we have. Right. We have other options. It means a lot. They, it does. Yeah, like I think they're realizing that Carter's not the answer as right now because he's not ready. I, I don't think he's ready. I feel like he still needs more fine-tuning, and they're starting to realize that. So if Castro's healthy, I do think Castro starts at third, and then Josh Harrison starts at second. Yeah, I agree. I, it, that And then there was another quote the next day, something about, well, of course, Carter has to compete. Like, they're, they're setting the stage. They, they've been nothing but, you know, Carter's our guy up until this point, and now all of a sudden they're ready to jettison him into the sun. I mean... What it seems like to me. I'm pretty sure there was also another quote where... I don't know who said it, but they basically said they've given Carter every single opportunity to take that job. Yeah. Which they clearly they pretty have. much handed it to him. They didn't he, even he bring just in won't competition. Take it. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they've they haven't even brought in competition. So, I mean, yeah, yeah it obviously depends on Castro's health. Hopefully, it's not too bad, and he has this next week to to heal up and be ready to go. But uh, yeah, I mean, as we've talked about. Like Amanda likes to say, ad nauseum. Um, you know, the Nats don't have much depth there, there, Bob. Yeah, so, like any uh, depth at all. Yeah, so it's pretty much Carter Keepum or bust at that point. And uh, I'm leaning towards Boston. Yeah, Carter Keepum is bust, possibly. It might be a too early to use the word bust, but he is not the guy they need him to be right now. I think that's completely fair to say. 
And, you know, whether it's a matter of sending him back down, I think you'd be doing him a favor if you could send him down and let him play at AAA for a while and try to get, you know, get his groove back a little bit. But right now you're playing in spring training against not even the best pitchers and you can't hit. It's not going to get easier when the season starts. And they've got a brutal beginning of the schedule. Yeah, he's neither the hero we deserve nor the one we need right now. No, I don't even think we, I think he gets no hero title at all. All right, so let's hit our week in review. Week, midweek in review. The midweek in review. I was making sure I was not muted there. We are one week away from opening day. The Nationals are going to play on April 1st at 7 p.m. on ESPN. We are one week away. It will be announced today that they are going to start cracking down on foreign substances on baseballs. They said they will increase monitoring and by compliance officers, inspections of baseballs, taking they'll be taken out of play by a third-party lab. They're going to be analyzing spin rate, and the compliance officers will monitor dugouts, clubhouses, bullpens, and all batting cages. They will take a random sample of the baseballs each day, and they will send them to the lab. And the lab will not only just search for substances themselves, but the type of substances used. They will also utilize StatCast data to compare spin rates against career norms. Teams are warned that employees are not allowed to handle foreign substances or tell a pitcher how to mask or interfere with the collection of game-used balls. In player news, Astros announced that they have signed Lance McCullers to a five-year, $85 million extension. They also offered a pretty funny contract to Carlos Correa in six years, $120 million. He declined it immediately. Red Sunny Gray will not be ready for opening day. Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing well after his injured scare and should be back in the lineup by this weekend. This has been your weekend review brought to you in part by, by your local neighborhood chilies. Make sure you stop on in, order carry out, or just get some delivery and treat yourself to a fantastic date night dinner by Chili's. I had Chili's tonight, actually. It was, it was very, very Ooh, good. Ooh, what did you get? I got the Boss Burger. Our good friend of the show, Bill Libby, uh, our, our guy at Chili's has been recommending it forever. And uh, I finally decided to get it, and I was not disappointed. But it's not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart. There's a lot on that that bad boy. Uh, but, of course, I got the, uh, you know, margarita of the month with it as well. I mean, I'm not I'm wash not crazy. It down. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Um, the thing I wanted to talk about was obviously the, the Correa thing because, one, that's a pretty big contract. I mean, yeah, the, the AAV is only $20 million, but only $20 million. Um, But oh, it just kind of goes to show what, you know, the Nats are possibly going to be looking at with Trey Turner um, because I think we can all agree Trey Turner is better than Correa, at least as it stands right now. Mm-hmm. Not, yep. not that it's, you know, it, it's not like crazy in, in one way or another, but at least they're probably on the same tier. So if he's turning down that money, either he really wants to leave the Astros or he's worth a hell of a lot more. So well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, next offseason once all these shortstops hit the market. Correa's yeah. also only 26, so that plays heavily uh, in his factor. Was not thinking Sorry, about that. In his favor, and he has two seasons with OPS well over 900. For a shortstop, that is worth a hell of a lot of money. Factor in that he's only 26 right now. It was a complete no-brainer for him to turn down this deal. I'm surprised they didn't offer more. Well, I mean, Damn. yeah, I, they got to start somewhere, though. Yeah, uh, I guess but, that's true. I mean, they gave all their money away to Lance McCullers, so. Yes, indeed they did. It would, it, just insane amount for Lance McCullers, but that's a whole I mean, different conversation. I mean, f- $15 million a year for actually, what, 
more than that, right? 16. Is it 16? It was, it was 85, 85 for five years, right? Yeah. So what's that? 17. 17. Damn, $17 million a year for a guy who has not pitched a game since coming back from Tommy John, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that seems, that seems steep. Yep. But I guess they gave, they gave Lance McCullers all of Correa's money. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's hit our Nats bat segment. Um, so there's some interesting pitching situations arising here with the Nats, <laughs> especially with the Eric Fetty stuff. Yeah. So in case you guys are not here, a independent arbitrator has ruled in Eric Fetty's favor. Um, Eric Fetty was one of the players who qualified to get a fourth major league option. He argued that the shortened season should count as a full season and he should not be granted a fourth option. So the arbitrator ruled in his favor. That means he's out of options. That also means now that Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, and Austin Voth are all out of options. That means they're either on the 26-man roster or they have to pass through waivers. Awesome Voth will more than likely pass through waivers, so that one's not an issue. This also means that Joe Ross, congratulations, you are going to be in the rotation. They're not going to waiver you. The question becomes, what do they do with Fetty? Eric Fetty has struggled mightily, but you also look at the fact that I believe he's only 28 years old. Another team will claim him because they think with how young he is, he is going to be able to be turned around. So it becomes, do they want to carry him as the long man in the bullpen? And then is, do they want to have two long men in the bullpen with Voth and Fetty? Because in April, that may work. Arms aren't in the best condition in April, and there's a lot of extra innings now compared to what the season was last year. Having all three of them still in the system is going to be big. These guys' arms are not going to be as conditioned as they were two years ago, so you want to have more pitchers. This is kind of a really interesting situation, and while Voth or Fetty aren't exactly that good, that's still important depth you don't want to lose. It's not so like you that, have a lot of other options. Exactly. They're MLB-ready arms, and the Nats are going to have to figure out how the hell do we go about this without losing them. I think if they do anything with any of them, I think Voth would be the one they're most likely to put on waivers. That's what, that's what I think. He might make it through. I don't think there's any chance yeah. that, that Fetty would make it through. And, I, of course, Ross isn't going to make it through, so they would never do that. But, um, yeah, I think if they do anything and they have to be putting Voth on waivers and then hoping for the best or just holding them all, but then, you know, who's coming off, your, who's coming off the bench? Well, so then you either go down – so you would have, you'd have short bench, and I think they're going to start the season with a short bench. But then you also is what reliever are you not carrying because they're going to have two long men out of the bullpen. So mm-hmm. that's the other side of it. Um, but congratulations to Joe Ross because you just My boy. Yeah. Right. He just <laughs> he just got defaulted into a rotation spot. Yeah. They're they're not. He's pitched you well up. though. It's not he like has. Yeah, he's been good this really well. Yeah. But they're not giving you up. They're not going to give him up. It's just Eric Fetty's now in this weird purgatory. Um. Of his yeah, own making, I would like to point yeah, out. Because he's mm-hmm. he's had he's had ample opportunities. There's are many opportunities where they've given this man to Ryan, figure Ryan, it out. He, he just needs out. regular at bats. <laughs> and he'll be fine. <laughs> That's it. That's always the answer. Yeah, he has had lots of opportunities. To me, it just seems weird to go to arbit- to go to arbitration specifically to try to get yourself made out of options. And he now- filed a grievance, so that's why I went there. Yeah. Okay. Agree. That's mm-hmm. not arbitration. My mistake. But I just don't understand it. Like, why do you want to be out of options? 
Yeah. I mean, you he, you may end up out of the yeah you may end up out of the organization as a result. It's just a weird to me. It's, it's a weird decision. How bad Miners is? He doesn't want to be down there. He thinks he's MLB ready, and he's like, no, I'm but not. He hasn't gonna, proven that. You know, he's, oh, yeah, he's know. come I'm up not, over I'm and over <laughs> and had lots of opportunities to me, like having the opportunity to at least be down in the, you know, somebody's going to get hurt and you're going to wind up on the big club. I don't know. It just seemed like a weird decision. Oh, I'm, to not, me. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's, it's going to, Ross is going to get the fifth spot. Fetty's going to come out of the bullpen. Um, whether both is there or not, you know, remains to be seen, but they're going to give Fetty the opportunity to improve his numbers as like a, you know, inning here, two innings here kind of guy, and some spot starts, uh, I'm sure. But, you know, like you guys have mentioned, we haven't really seen anything from him. So I also think, like, a, a you know, quick little DFA wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Nats. Yeah. I don't think we'll see it, but it wouldn't be the worst thing. Uh, we didn't think we would see it ever with Sammy Solis. Remember That's that name? Excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point. All right, let's talk Brad Hand. Yeah, so he did not look good today. We're recording on Wednesday, so if you're listening to this, this it was the game against the Astros that they blew. Um, but apparently he was throwing basically all fastballs, so which isn't uncommon because you know pitchers like to tinker with things in spring training because it doesn't mean anything. Um, but there has been you know st- statistics and advanced statistics that suggest that he is regressing so it is something to monitor i'm not too worried because he's still you know proven to be an elite reliever in the game and if he stinks it's a one-year deal so you know we we've said a bunch of times there's no such no no such thing as a bad one-year deal so the other yeah, but interesting if he struggles to know, it's going to be a tough season for this bullpen <laughs> well, right. it's probably gonna be a tough season in general but the other thing the know, whole year actually <laughs> Brad Hand is a ground ball pitcher. He feasts off of ground balls. When your defense isn't good, <laughs> it hurts. The Nationals infield defense is atrocious. Let's be honest. Trey is a good defender. No one else is a good defender in the infield. But also, the other thing is, when you're a ground ball pitcher, and if they're barely getting it through the guys up the middle, around the corners and everything, this is what happens. He gave up four straight singles, and all of them were weak contact. It wasn't good contact. They were just hitting it where guys couldn't get to and just beating it out. That's the other downside of a ground ball pitcher. So he is going to have outings like this. You just got to hope that, those ground balls are going to be able to be in situations where your defense is going to be able to, you know, make the play only issues right now. This defense really isn't that good defensively in the infield. So that's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be like the Rafael Soriano days of old where, you know, guys on first and second, every single time, you know, like a two, four ERA, but a one six whip triggered my PTSD to even mention that name. I used to just, I used to just like my blood pressure would rise as soon as he started walking out of the bullpen. I was like, Oh God. But he would always untuck his shirt. Like he had it completely under control. I know it would make me pretty sure we're still paying him actually. Oh, don't say that to me. Is that true? Um, Yeah. As of like 2019 or 2020, I know we are still paying him. I don't know if we still are. That deferred money is well. Anyway, another conversation. All right. So um, this is our opponent preview episode for the Phillies, and we've got two great interviews for you guys as part of this episode. Our first one we're going to play for you now is with Matt Gelb, who was kind enough to join us. He is the Phillies beat writer for The Athletic, and we will play it for you now. 
We are now joined by Matt Gelb. Matt is a Phillies beat reporter for The Athletic Philly. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Gelb and subscribe to The Athletic to keep up with everything Phillies and our divisional rival. Matt, how you doing, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm on my way back to uh, Florida to finish up spring training and uh, less than two weeks to opening day. I mean, it kind of starting to get warm, so I think you start, uh, start feeling like it's ready for baseball, right? I know it's it's weird. March went by incredibly fast, considering how long last year's March's March lasts. It's like <laughs> ten months long. So that's a that's a pretty nice change. And um, just to dive on into it, it's pretty safe to say the last couple seasons did not go as the Phillies planned. Um, they had some pretty big additions in Bryce, Real Muto, Wheeler, Didi, and then they brought in Joe Girardi. Um, I know I expected that lineup to be pretty competitive for the division, but it was ultimately the pitching that brought the Phillies down. Dave Dombrowski comes in, and he made addressing the bullpen his priority this offseason. Do you think the additions that he brought in is enough to turn the bullpen from a Phillies weakness to a potential strength this year? I don't think it's going to be a strength of theirs, but I, I – you know, look, I mean, it was a historically bad bullpen in 2020. I mean, perhaps the worst bullpen in Philly's modern history. And the Phillies have had a lot of bad teams in like the last 80 years. <laughs> so it was really bad. And I don't think it's going to be as bad in 2021. I don't think it's going to be a strength, though, either. But if they're the 20th bull- best bullpen in baseball instead of the 30th, that's, that's a, it's a big upgrade for them. I mean, if they had the 20th best bullpen Last year, they probably would have been in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I know it was an expanded field, so it was a little watered down, but they have harder throwers in the bullpen for 2021, and that is something they did not have last season. And imagine that, like how novel of a thing to have hard-throwing guys in the bullpen, but that's something the Phillies haven't had uh, in quite a few years now. So, you know, Jose Alvarado has been uh, the talk of camp. You know, the Phillies got him in a trade. He was basically cast off by the Rays. Uh, he was out of shape. He was hurt. Uh, we remember the guy from a couple years ago who, you know, you saw gifts of his pitches on Twitter all the time because he threw yep. nasty stuff. And he's been terrific this spring. I mean, he's throwing 100. His cutter is incredible. It's, you know, it's a 92-mile-an-hour it's slider, cutter, whatever you want to call it. And he's been terrific. And he might end up closing for them. But, you know, he's a guy that kind of, they didn't have that kind of caliber last year in the bullpen. And you have Archie Bradley back there now. And, it's going to be better, but I still think there's questions about who's going to close. And uh, they have some veterans like Brandon Kinsler who might not be making this team uh, a former Nationals pitcher. And it's a better group. I don't know that it's a strength, though. I think I saw a stat that the Phillies led in more games last year out of every single team not named the Dodgers. And it was just the bullpen that brought them down in um I know a lot about bad bullpens. All of us Nats fans do. It is we sure not do. fun. Um, sticking with the pitching, the Phillies rotation has a lot of the same questions that the Nats rotation currently has, mainly health and who's going to be pitching in the back end of the rotation. Phillies are currently without Eflin, uh, Velasquez, and Howard. Who can we expect the Phillies to turn to if those guys aren't ready for opening day? They're hoping that Eflin's going to be ready, and he would be their number three starter. And, and, and I mean, he's a really important piece. Uh, in what they're trying to do in 2021. I mean, I, I, I'm of the opinion that, you know, if they don't get full seasons and productive seasons from their top three guys, Aaron Noah, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, I'm not really sure they have a chance to, to surprise because it is a tough division. And, 
those three guys were terrific last year for them. I mean, they were under the radar, like really, really good because the bullpen problems kind of overshadowed it all. But, you know, those top three guys are as good of, you know, a group as there is in the NL. They're not, they're not the best, but they're right up there with the best top three in the league. So Eflin's really important. You know, his back issues right now, they're deeming sort of minor. He's had problems in the past, kind of a wait and see thing. You know, it's possible that they are able to just push him back you know, to start maybe the sixth game of the season to make sure that he's ready. Uh, you know, Chase Anderson and Matt Moore are going to be in this rotation. Matt Moore is a lefty. Uh, they haven't had a lefty starter. They didn't have a lefty starter start a game at all last year. They really haven't had a lefty starter in the rotation as a mainstay for like six years almost now since Cole Hamill's left. It's kind of crazy. Uh, they're both going to be in it. They're going to get the first cracks, you know, at that four and five spot in the rotation. Uh they could have spent a little more money to bring in someone better, but they decided to spread the money $7 million basically across those two guys. Uh, Spencer Howard is one of their best prospects. He's had a lot of injury issues last year. And he, he pitched in the majors last year. He didn't make the kind of first impression they were hoping he would make. He's going to start the year in the minors, even if he was healthy. Uh, they want to stretch him out. He's going to be on the innings limit. He's going to pitch for them at some point this season probably as a starter, he's probably their best reserve option. Uh, it's not, there is more depth than there was last year in the rotation, but there's not a lot. I mean, because all of a sudden you had three guys get hurt in the span of a week and the injuries appear to be somewhat minor, but when you lose three guys in a week, you start looking around, you're like, oh, wait a minute, like this isn't as deep as we thought it was. The top three is really good. After that, a lot of questions. Yep. Uh, Matt, you know, looking at the, the Phillies rotation, their 1-2 with Nola and Wheeler can stack up with pretty much anyone else in the division's 1-2. Um, so I want to shift the, the focus to the lineup a little bit um, because, you know, Boehm had a great campaign last year. I think Hoskins is still, you know, maybe not at what people thought he would be once he came up and went on that, you know, toward tear, hitting home runs left and right. Uh, but I, I have to just, you know, address the elephant in the room and, and talk about Bryce Harper a little bit. Uh, <laughs> in your opinion, you know, what would he have to do to live up to that contract? Because that, that's, you know, we saw Tatis is the latest in, 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 you know, in line to get these massive deals. And obviously Bryce sort of uh, kicked that off a little bit a couple of years ago. So in your opinion, what does he have to do to really live up to that contract? I mean, I think it's as simple as that. And obviously, like, Bryce Harper can have an MVP-type season and the Phillies still might not win the division, but win. I mean, if they win, they – look, the Phillies have the second-longest postseason drought of any team in baseball right now. The only the Mariners have gone longer now without playing a game in the playoffs. It's been nine years since the Phillies had a winning season. I mean, people in the city are just desperate for a contending team. And – if the Phillies are to be contenders in 2021, most likely Bryce Harper is having a really good season for them. And you know, he's entering the prime of his career. I mean, these are his prime years. And to live up to that deal, he has to produce in those prime years, but they also have to win. I mean, they have to win. It's as simple as that. And I know it's not all dependent on Bryce Harper, but you look at what he did last year over a 60-game stretch, and he was hurt you know, for the latter part of the season, the last month. You know, he was definitely not 100%. But he walked more than he struck out last year. He showed more discipline at the play. He showed power. 
uh, in this small sample, like he was everything you wanted him to be when you signed that contract. They just didn't win. So they need to win. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's as simple as that, but of course it's not that simple. <laughs> I mean, we never is. We know Bryce pretty well, and when Bryce is on, he can change an entire team, but when he's not on, it is it is really frustrating to watch. Um, speaking of outfield, I know one of the biggest questions, one of the most intriguing things about the Phillies right now is their center field competition. I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter about Mickey and how he's doing in spring training. Who do you think gets the opening day center field job, and how long of a leash will they have once they're named the starter? Yeah, the starter on April 1st uh, is definitely not guaranteed to be the starter on June 1st, for example. I mean, this is definitely a moving target for them. And really, it's the only position on the field where they have uncertainty. I mean, they, they pretty much have, have guys locked up at every other position on the field, uh, really entrenched at every position on the field except for center. I, I still think it's going to be Odubel Herrera, which, had you asked me this uh, six weeks ago, I would have... You know, I would have never thought that a two warrior would be starting in center field on opening day for them for a lot of reasons. Uh, the biggest one being that uh, it's now been almost two years since he played because he was suspended by Major League Baseball for violating the league's domestic abuse uh, policy. And really, I mean, he appeared to be on the outs in this organization. Uh, he wasn't in their summer camp last year. He wasn't at their alternate site during the year last year. He was essentially uh, on the verge of being released after having been removed from the roster. And there was a sudden change uh, in the offseason and how the Phillies viewed Herrera. I mean, they, they believed, and this is the team's decision, and whether you agree with it or not, and there's a lot of people who don't agree with it, and I totally understand it, they decided that he merited a, a second chance. And they've given him every opportunity in spring training to win the job, and He's looked good at times. He's looked not so good at times. He looks like a guy who hasn't played in a while. Uh, but I think given how everyone else in this competition has performed, I think he's going to get the first crack at it. I really do. Uh, Scott Kingery has been disappointing. It's possible he starts the year in the minors. Roman Quinn, they're just not sure if he can be an everyday player. Mickey Moniak's had a great spring. I mean, an incredible spring. A spring that has really changed the perception, I think, of how uh, people view him, how the organization views him. He came in more physically mature, more mentally mature. Uh, he's a former number one overall pick. I just don't think it's his time yet. I could see him being the starter, starting center fielder by June 1st, though. I really do. Adam Hazley is another first-round pick who got hurt earlier in camp who was also impressing. So they have a lot of options here, and whoever is going to be the opening day starter, uh, there's a good chance they change that up. But it's better to have one unsettled position than like three. So I think they're in better shape than they've been in recent years, but center field is, is, is not a strong spot for them. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. I think that's definitely fair to say. Um, we've talked a bit about um, how improved the bullpen is from last year. It really had nowhere to go, but up. And as Ryan mentioned, we have dealt with some bad bullpens here in Washington as well. Um, even with the improvements that have been made, though, I haven't seen, I don't think anybody picking the Phillies to go maybe above fourth in the division. Um, Fangraphs is predicting a fourth place finish with a 13.4% postseason odds. Does that seem like a fair assessment to you? Or do you think that maybe there's a chance that this team has a little bit more to it than most of the you know so-called experts are predicting? 
I think it's fair. I do. I, I mean, look, this team has holes. I think the Vegas over-under was set sort of around 81 and a half, somewhere around there. And I think that might be a little short. Like, I probably have them around 84 right now. And that doesn't get them in the playoffs, uh, especially since there's no division. Spanish playoffs this year. <laughs> yeah, not in, not in the NLEs. Uh, I, I think it's a team that could outperform expectations, though, because the pullman was so bad last year, but the rest of the team was pretty decent. I mean, they were a team that scored a lot of runs. They got on base. They hit for power. They had strong pitching at the top of the rotation. They have a little more pitching depth. This year, they're not going to be a good defensive team, and I think that is definitely reflected in some of the projections, especially the, the prospectus and the fangrass projections. They're going to be a really bad defensive team, uh, and the Phillies are aware of that. They're, they're essentially admitting that they're going to trade some defense for offense, and they're okay with that. Uh, it, it's so hard for me to look at this season as a whole because I, think, I don't know that we're quite prepared for what we're going to see. I, I think that across the league, teams are just going to be burning through starting pitchers. I, I really think this is – it's been talked about, I know, in, in some spots, but just given – it's so unprecedented coming off of the 60-game season, going back to 162. I don't think we really understand the full effects of that yet. And I really do think, it, in, especially in the NL East, it's kind of going to be a battle of attrition. Now, I think these teams are going to beat up on each other. I think they're all talented. Uh, but I, I don't know that there's that much separating the best team in the division from the fourth best team in the division, which I, I do think on paper is probably the Phillies. Uh, I just don't think there's a big gap there. So if if a few things go right for the Phillies, do they get to 89 or 90 wins? Yeah, I, I think that's totally possible. I also think their projections are, are pretty fair just based on, you know, the rest of the division right now. They are on paper the fourth best team. Yeah, Matt, that, that segues perfectly into what I was going to ask you next, uh, because I, I agree with you, you know, the the gap between one, who's probably the Braves right now, considering they've won the division the past couple of years, and four, if that's the Phillies or the Nats or whoever, uh, is not that big. I think if any one of those four won the division, some teams like the Phillies or the Nats might be a little bit more surprising, but overall, no one would be too, too surprised, but... If the Phillies did win the division, if they did even just make the playoffs, now that we're back to the normal format and it's not expanded playoffs this year, what went right for the Phillies? So if, you know, we're talking here in October before the playoffs or whatever, and the Phillies are gearing up for the, for a playoff game or series or whatever, what went right for them this, this year? Their star players played like stars. You know, I mean, this is still a top-heavy roster. It's, it's less top-heavy than it was last year. But if they're going to win the division in 2021, it's because Bryce Harper was terrific. It's because JT Realmuto was above and beyond the best catcher in baseball. It's because Nola and Wheeler and Eflin each made 30 starts and were above league average at the top. That, that is why they, they would win the division. I mean, they, they have some serious star power. They really do. Uh, and if they're going to be good, they need their best players to be really, really good. Uh, and, and I, you know, you can close your eyes and you can imagine a situation where that's the case. They're going to get a full year of Alec Bohm at third base and uh, finish tied for second in National League Rookie of the Year voting, and he has about as advanced an offensive pro- approach for a 24-year-old than that we, you know, we've really ever seen. Uh, these 
a little shaky over at third base, but again, they're going to trade some defense for offense. You get a full year of him. Uh, that would definitely be a big factor, but I mean, they're going to have to out hit some mistakes defensively and from their pitchers, but they have a lineup that's built to do that. And if their stars perform like they can, they can win the division. Yeah. I mean, we certainly saw the Nats kind of have that formula in their 2019 run with just how much Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon were doing and, you know, everyone else is kind of role player. So I can see that. So one of the stars that you mentioned who I wanted the Nats to sign pretty badly this offseason, but he went back. You didn't to, talk about that a lot. <laughs> he, he sadly went back to Philly. Um, that's JT Romuto. He was supposed to make his spring train debut today, but I saw he was scratched. Um, what's the update on Romuto? Is he going to be ready when opening day starts next week? Yeah, it seems like he will. Uh, I think he's right on schedule. He played in a sim game yesterday, and, and the way they can do sim games, he can basically bat every inning. And uh, he ended up getting seven at-bats in the game, and they just decided not to play him. They would give him another day off. Uh, and it wasn't because of the thumb. He broke his thumb right, right about when camp started, so that's why he hasn't been in a game yet. Uh, it was more just like, you know, he hadn't, you know, he hadn't taken seven at-bats in a game in a while, so... They ended up just sitting him today. I think he's going to play tomorrow. Uh, he'll probably DH a couple games this week. Uh, and I think he's right on schedule. I think he'll be there opening day. Are you going to see him catch, you know, five, six, seven days a week to start? Probably not. I mean, I, he likes to play every game. Uh, but just because he's had sort of a shorter spring, I could see them easing him in, maybe starting him three or four times in the first week while Andrew Knapp, the backup catcher, gets a little more time early in the season. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, I think they'd rather a little real Muto rather than no real Muto to start the year. So at this point, look, I mean, it actually wasn't that bad of a thing that he got a lighter spring workload. I mean, you want this guy to be as fresh as he can uh, for the full season because you know he wants to catch 115, 120, uh, and they're hoping he can do that. So since we are a Nats podcast, um, we could shift gears for just a minute and ask you kind of what the view from Philly is about the Nationals right now and sort of what your thoughts are on what you're expecting out of out of them this year. Kind of a transition, right? I mean, I think people are kind of wondering, like, what the identity is now. I mean, it's Juan Soto and Trey Turner's team. I mean, this, this is just my perspective of it, I, I would say. Um, they added a lot of power in the offseason, which I think is something that kind of flew under the radar. I really do. I mean, just because I know first base and left field are not premium positions and everybody hits 20 home runs in this version of Major League Baseball, but Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber to me are, you know, legitimate power threats that uh, are going to be tough outs like every night in this division. I, I, I feel like it's they are big upgrades for the Nationals from what they had last year at those spots. And now, obviously, Soto's moving over. But if you're comparing Schwarber to Adam Eaton and Bell to, I don't know, uh, I, to, uh, was it, was it first base, Thames, no? T yeah, Thames, yeah. which, I mean, <laughs> I, I hope you can't compare them. Right, yeah. Let's hope yeah. by the, this time next year there's no comparison to be made. Right. Can't even remember how that 60-game season ended for that. I feel like the last few weeks for them were just sort of... A terrible blur. Yeah, a terrible, <laughs> terrible blur. A lot of Brock Holt. We saw a lot of Brock Holt at the end of the season last year. Yeah. Um, how do you know your season didn't go the way you wanted? It's when you see a lot of Brock Holt at the end of the <laughs> that's season. That's right, that's right. Um, obviously, you know, like, 
when you talk about the Nationals, you start and stop with the rotation. I mean, that is that is what you think about when you think about Washington. And uh, until Strasburg and Scherzer are gone and Corbin are gone, that is always going to be the focal point of that franchise, as it should be, because it's a tremendous group of pitchers. And, uh, you know, they have those guys and they're in it. I mean – especially when you get later into the season, if those guys are healthy, that's who you want on the mound in big games. So I'm fascinated to see another year of Soto. He's one of my favorite players to watch. As is Turner, I feel like not enough people outside of Washington talk about Trey Turner. Uh, He's just such a dynamic presence on the field. I really like watching all those guys. And uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm looking forward to there being fans and stands for Phillies and Nationals games again, because I feel like, there's a pretty good energy. Uh, you there's know, always energy, oh, that's for sure. There's always energy, and then the Bryce situation just sort of elevated it, I feel like. And we, I think we missed missed out on that last year. We missed that. Uh, we missed a lot of things last year, obviously. But uh, low on the list is Philly's national, Philly fans at Philly's Nationals games, but I'm looking forward to seeing that again <laughs> this year. Do you have a prediction for where you think the Nats will finish or maybe just where you think the whole division will finish as far as standings? I agree with the assessment that the Braves are the best team. The Braves, I feel like, I know it was only 60 games. Like, the Braves lost their entire starting rotation and yep. still won the division last year, which is crazy to me. Yeah, it's not cool. Uh, I mean, and you look at the rotation, they went out and signed Charlie Moore and Drew Smiley. Like, no big deal. And and, and they're going to be like, you know, they're four and five, basically, if, if, if everybody's healthy. That's a stacked rotation. Uh, Ian Anderson, incredible in the playoffs. It's a great team. I think they are the team to beat. I think I slot the Nationals ahead of the Mets. Like, that might be a hot take, but I think injury concerns with the Mets right now, uh, you know, Carlos Carrasco is going to miss probably at least the first month of the season. You got questions about their rotation. Uh, you know, I mean, the Mets prob- probably have a better offense, uh, but I guess overall I'm going to take the Nationals – the bullpens are kind of equal, although I know is there is there hand wringing right now over Brad Hand uh, because of the spring. <laughs> nice. We have we have uh, we have definitely exhausted the hand puns around here, so it was nice to hear a new one thrown in the mix. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I don't know. I think those teams are probably close together, and I guess I have the Phillies fourth. If I have the Nationals second, the Mets third, the Phillies fourth. But if the gap between one and four isn't large, the gap between two and four. I, I don't even know like to nothing, I don't yeah. even know what yeah I don't even know what it is I mean because if one player gets if one key player on one of those teams gets hurt I think you can you know they go they you can move them down to, to fourth really yep agreed Matt my last question for you is probably um, you know the biggest debate you will see in all of sports and that is pro DH or anti DH. Amanda and I go back and forth on this all the time, and we have to ask, are you for the universal DH, or are you, uh, you know, old-fashioned and anti-DH? I am old-fashioned. I am anti-DH. Yes. I'll tell you this. You know what? (laughs) I I like the NL game, but you know what I'm I'm willing to come around on? I don't hate the runner on second base next earnings, but but the change I would make is that I would – let them play like two regular extra innings. Agreed. Like the 10th and the 11th are normal extra innings and you get to the 12th, put the runner on second base. I'm all for that. Yeah. Agreed. So I'm willing to concede my old school, like thinking in some spots, but not the DH. I, I, 
I don't like the DH. And I know it's, it's gonna, an abomination, it's gonna, Matt. It's going to be there in 2022. It's coming. We, we all know it. So let's savor like one last season of National League strategy. Real baseball. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Real managing. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I just thought this interview was going really well until that point. So you it's know. the we have a very vehement disagreement going on in perpetuity on this podcast about the DH. So. I feel like in 20 years, we're going to look back on it and be like, people really liked when pitchers were hitting. Exactly. It'll, be, yeah. it'll be really, it'll it be It won't even be 20 to, years. It'll be like two years. The future yeah, is tough now. To justify, it'll be tough to justify that stance that, that I hold uh, and that you hold, Amanda. I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think uh, we're, I'm going to miss it when it goes away, but I know I can, I can see why people are getting to be yeah, more I can see both edge. sides of the argument. It's just that the other side is wrong. <laughs> All right. So do uh, Ryan, did you have a tournament question to ask? I, I always do. So we like to end all of our, all of our interviews on a fun note, even though you're anti DH, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> it's just our way of saying you're a best friend of the pod. So this tournament has been absolutely nuts. Who do you have winning of all the teams that are left? I mean, I still, I have Gonzaga in my brackets and that is such a cop out, but they really are that good. You're and... so good. They are really good. Although I will say, my friends who really know me know this. Like I've been on Loyola all year. Like I, I've, I've followed college basketball. Sister Jean. I, I've loved. I've loved the way their coach. I think their coach is probably, uh, perhaps one of the best in the country. And I think we saw it absolutely dismantled Loyola. So I wanted them all year. I've been really impressed. And they might come out of that side of that that region. They really might. I mean. Uh, my, my dad is a Rutgers uh, 1979 alum, and they are in the tournament for the first time uh, since I was a little kid, really, and he's excited about that. So I'm, I'm pulling for them, and uh, hopefully they can they can uh, keep going. They're playing Houston, and by the time this was released, we'll know if Rutgers is still alive, I think. Yeah, that's going to be a fantastic game, and I like underdogs. So loyal makes it. I'd be pretty happy about that. Um, Matt. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. You're a fantastic interview. And everyone, you guys can find him on Twitter at Matt Gelb. You can head on over to theathletic.com to keep up with all things Phillies and all things sports in general. Subscribe to The Athletic. Matt, thanks so much for joining. It was great to talk to you. Drive safe to Florida. Thank you, guys. Happy baseball. Happy baseball. Happy baseball. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks again so much to Matt for joining us. We really enjoyed it. Hopefully we can talk to him again soon, maybe when we uh, are playing the Phillies sometime later in the season. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Gelb, G-E-L-B. Make sure you do that. And uh, let's move on and have a word from our sponsor. Yeah. Haters, you know what time it is. Baseball is almost back. It's time for, you know, all these players to dust off their mitts and their cleats and be ready for first pitch on opening day next week. And you can be ready, too, with Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code HSHA20 to shop their variety of amazing products, including the Lawnmower 3.0, but a multitude of other things. Uh, you know, I just had a hangnail earlier. I could have used my, my shears to, to clean that up, but uh, I was recording in a garage. Yeah, I'm recording in a garage, so... You know, I had to go MacGyver with it, um, but they have that. They have the refined cologne. They have the ball toner. Um, you know, they have literally so much stuff. And if you just want to rep them like we do, they have shirts. They have boxers. 
It's awesome. I cannot recommend it enough. And it makes for an easy, quick gift too. Plus, there's no better gift than the one you get on sale too. So there's just many, many reasons to go to Manscaped. Check it out. Use our promo code HSHH20. Help me help you help us, please. And while I'm on it, please check out the Half Street High Heat store. There is currently a sale going on through the 26th. So what is that? Friday? Friday. Uh, so yes, Friday. Yeah. Friday is the last day of the sale. It's 35% off. 35. 35% off our store. Bunch of different merch. You've heard it before, but you can get shirts, masks. Amanda tweeted out a picture of her mug today. Um, you can get stickers. You can get laptop cases, notebooks, literally whatever you want. Tapestries. If you want a big ass shack tapestry above your bed, you can get that. Go I just to- got my baby niece a onesie. And they're real oh, cute. onesies too. Uh, I'm not there yet, and I don't, I don't strive to be anytime soon. But you could. <laughs> you could if that's you. That That's perfectly fine. So go to tpublic.com, T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C-K, and search Half Street High Heat. You will see all of our products in that store. Pick and choose. You can choose what color type or what color T-shirts you want as well. So literally you can mix and match and come up with something you like. We definitely appreciate it. Speaking of appreciating it, Nick and I sat down with another Phillies beat reporter, and we have great appreciates for her. For her. Um, Nick and I sat down to talk with Destiny Lugardo of Phillies Nation. Um, it was pretty cool to talk to her because I feel like Matt was a little more bullish on the Phillies, and then we spoke to Destiny, who was very high going into the Phillies this season. So it was pretty cool hearing two different counterpoints on one person thinks Phillies won't be that good, and one who thinks the Phillies will be very good. You guys can give her a follow on Twitter at Destiny underscore Legardo, and I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. What's up, everyone? We're now joined by Destiny Lugardo covering the Phillies for Phillies Nation. You guys can make sure you follow her on Twitter at Destiny underscore Lugardo. Destiny, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Ryan. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. It was 70 degrees today, so anytime it's like that in March, it's always a fantastic day. Yeah, it kind of it makes you yearn for those late summer nights where you're at a, a ball game. Hopefully the hot dogs are a dollar and you're having a good time. Well, yeah, I don't know where uh, <laughs> the hot dogs are a dollar anymore. But they I don't do like... dollar hot dogs at uh, Nationals Park. Oh, Nats Park I, They probably won't do it this year, but. They don't, they don't do sales. Let's just yeah. put it that way. <laughs> it makes sense. It's Washington. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yearn for those days, too, whenever they were. <laughs> I, I get excited when parking's less than fifty dollars. So that's just um, that's awful. Yeah, it's it's just DC. <laughs> just grown used to it. So jumping right on into it, um, it was a pretty exciting offseason for the Phillies. It began with them removing Matt Clintac as GM. Um, then there was a report that John Milton came out said that they lost two billion dollars, but then there was another report came out saying that was wrong. It was much, much less than that. And then there was some pretty big concerns about how the Phillies were going to have to be budget-wise. Were they going to cut back on their budget? Was their payroll going to be less than what it is? But then they went out inside uh, Dave Dombrowski, and Dave Dombrowski does not believe in tightened budgets. That man is win at all costs, and he will do it with how big of a budget he wants. So 
what direction are the Phillies going in? Because they're saying one thing, but their actions are on a completely different course. The Phillies are win, in win-now mode. Uh, it was kind of weird in the offseason. Everybody thought that they were really going to cut back, but it ended up they spent it just as much as they did last year as they did this year. It was kind of I, – I do think ownership was debating whether they want to actually cut back or not, but John Middleton also had to find his president of baseball operations, and he got desperate in the moment. And he gave Dave Nebraska a call, and he accepted somehow. I, I really – I really kind of don't understand how that all went down, but if you're going to hire Dave Nabrowski, he's not going to be cheap. I, it was weird because in the press conference, he kind of said, well, this might be, this isn't the exact wording, but a, tra- a transition year, but it turns out Dave Dombrowski evaluated the roster and told John, Mid- John Middleton, hey, you guys are much closer than you are. So he was given the budget to make this roster a lot, a lot more competitive. So that's kind of where they are. They, they want to win and they know that the division's pretty tough, but they're going to try. Yeah. And like Ryan said, Dave Dombrowski is not the guy you bring in if you do have a Titan budget. So it was kind of interesting to see how that unfolded. One guy that got mentioned a lot, uh, you know, during that time, this off season was Zach Wheeler. Obviously he was the kind of the big addition uh, last off season. Uh, what do you expect from him and the rotation as a whole? Because that's one area where I think there's a little bit left to be desired. Aaron Nola wasn't as sharp as, you know, he, he started out, but still a lot of potential there. And obviously you pay a bunch of money to Wheeler and you have good depth this this, uh, this year too. So what do you expect from Zach Wheeler and the rest of the rotation? Yeah, it's funny how you mentioned Zach Wheeler. He was the subject of trade rumors that were valid in December, and it kind of it spiraled into this idea that the Phillies were giving up on their, their win-now mode and right. kind of go into a full rebuild. But Zach Wheeler is here to stay. John Middleton won't trade him for Babe Ruth, and that's really how they feel about him. What's really interesting about Zach Wheeler, he's been known as a strikeout guy, but he learned to get outs by making contact, getting double plays when he can. Maybe he'll regress in that area. But I, they expect Zach, Nola, uh, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola to be their, their one and two and Zach Eflin to take a step back. So they, they feel really good about the top of their rotation. They feel really good about Zach Wheeler growing, even though he's getting there a little bit in age. I, I think he'll be even better this year. And you mentioned Aaron Nola, and that's a pretty good segue. Um, he was announced to be the Phillies opening day starter. I believe this is the fourth time in his career that he's going to be. Um, yes. Where does Aaron Nola rank, not only amongst NL East pitchers, but pitchers in all of baseball? Because I kind of feel like Nola doesn't really get the respect that he deserves. Yeah, he doesn't. I, I think he's one of the top pitchers in baseball. It's kind of weird in Philadelphia. They talk about Aaron Nola, and they watch him every night and see that he could really dominate any lineup he faces. But the problem comes in September when he struggles down the stretch. He was the one that was starting against the Rays that last game of the season where the Phillies needed to win that game to get in the playoffs, and he didn't carry the team. I mean, the team didn't score any runs for him, but he was part of the problem. But, yeah, that's kind of the caveat with Aaron Nola is that he struggles in September and he kind of needs to get away from that. But I do think he's one of the top pitchers in baseball. He's one of the the workhorses. He's kind of one of the – the guys that go under the radar just because everybody kind of focuses on the Garrett Cole. And I don't know how Trevor Bauer got into that conversation as one of the best <laughs> pitchers in baseball. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the one that says Aaron Nola is one of the best. He just has this disgusting curveball, the really awesome 
thing about him last year was that he was able to mix all four of his or all four of his pitches. So he was keeping hitters guessing. Last night against the Yankees, he absolutely dominated them. He did that last year. So I expect a big year from him. I don't know if he'll win a Cy Young. I think that's Jacob DeGrom's honor to lose. Yeah, we, we kind of feel the same way here in Washington as far as the Cy Young goes. It's like we do uh, you know, our season predictions every year, and it's pretty much, okay, if DeGrom doesn't win, this is who it's going to be. So I know that feeling all too well, and I agree it does seem like Aaron Nola kind of gets lost in that conversation when you talk about, especially this like next generation of stud pitchers, you get the Shane Bieber, the Walker Bueller, the Jack Flaherty, Aaron Nola should be in that conversation. I 100% agree. Shifting to the other side of pitching in the bullpen, um, the Phillies went through it last year with their bullpen and Nats fans know that all too well with their struggles in 2019 or our own struggles in 2019, excuse me. So do you think with the additions such as Archie Bradley and company that the Phillies have made this year, is that enough to, you know, help out uh, one of the worst bullpens of all time? Yeah, this bullpen's going to be so much better than it was last year. And it's, it's weird to kind of think of the question of what is enough. I think for Phillies fans, if you have the 29th best bullpen, it's miles better than whatever they did last year. They just picked up a whole bunch of guys that were either on the bubble of the 40-man roster or just don't deserve to be in the big league in the big leagues at all and said, hey, you got a chance to throw in the bullpen. And it really did not work out at all. And now they, they signed actual pitchers. Archie Bradley is probably going to be their closer. Jose Alvarado has been the talk of camp. He's He hit 101 the other day, and I was just kind of floored. Like, Philly's pitchers, especially out of the bullpen, they're, they're not hitting that hard on the radar gun. So um, I know Fangrass projected them to be the 14th or 16th best bullpen in, in the league. So if, if Philly's fans can kind of get that like they're it's going to be because it was just so stressful and even just as someone who covers a team and someone who still someone has a bias towards fandom and whatnot it was just so difficult to watch the games and know they could score 10 runs and they're probably not going to win just because that bullpen is horrendous yeah I mean like I said the Nats fans in 2019 we know we, we, we understand your pain, but if you can go from the 30th ranked, you know, bullpen last year to, like you said, 14th to 16th, somewhere in that range, that's a, a huge improvement for the Phillies. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, it's, it, was, it was so bad. I, it's, <laughs> I can't – I know you guys didn't watch the Phillies every night. I'm pretty sure you guys remember that game that was the last week of the season against the Nationals where – the Phillies went ahead in the 10th or 9th inning or whatever with that extra runner on second, and then Brandon Workman came, and it's like, oh, my God, this game is over because they really <laughs> needed to win that game. That was the, Brandon uh, Workman was just the, the epitome of – Yeah, that was uh, their uh, prize at the deadline, Brandon Workman. And exactly. that was the, the Trey Turner walk-off game, right? I think so. I think it was Trey <laughs> Turner. Uh, that was a fitting Austin Nats. Yeah, top 10 pick. I was pretty mad about that one. Um, And then another issue that the Phillies are having right now is injuries. Injuries always start to pile up, it seems, at the end of spring training. Look at the Blue Jays. They have like 15 injuries going on. Really sucks. But an interesting one for the Phillies is Brad Miller. Um, I was reading that he's likely to miss opening day, and that kind of 
puts a question mark on the Phillies bench and their depth as well. How does that change the Phillies opening day bench if he's not back from his injury? Yeah, it changes a lot just because Scott Kingry looks dreadful this spring. I mean, this guy can't hit a fastball to save his life. I just watched him try to swing at a curveball. It was nowhere near his bat. He could really use some time in AAA this year. I know it sounds crazy because he was a highly touted prospect. They gave him a big extension coming up, and he doesn't look like a major league player right now. So you would like to – I mean, Brad Miller is gonna, would, would have been in the opening day bench anyway, but you would like to have him healthy just to kind of give that option with Scott Kingery. And they have a couple of infielders on the 40-man roster, but they optioned them down. And that kind of signaled that they're giving Scott Kingery a chance. But, yeah, if you don't have Brad Miller, I kind of – see him as a guy that fills in a lot for Andrew McCutcheon. There's a lot of concerns there that he might not be able to take on a full workload, but the team seems really confident that he can. And Andrew McCutcheon does look a lot quicker. But, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be a disaster if Brad Miller had to miss the first week of the season. He really comes into play, you know, in June, July, where they could have a couple starters injured and he could fill in at third base, the corner outfield positions, second base, wherever. Um, and Honestly, it's. I would really hope that he stays healthy because he's one of my favorite players to watch on this team. When he's when he's hot at the plate, he's hot. He just when he tries to swing, he swings for the fences, and he's one of those old school type players that that I kind of I really enjoy watching. Yeah, and that you know leads me to another question I wanted to ask because this is something that kind of flew under the radar, but we've seen. I think the, the most recent example is what was going on with um, – I, I forget the Mariners GM, GM who, or president just got fired, but I want to talk about Scott Kingery and the contract that he signed because that's becoming a new um, strategy, so to speak. You know, Scott Kingery, if I'm not mistaken, signed that contract before he even played an MLB game. So, you know, hindsight is 2020, and there's a lot left to be desired from Kingery's performance, but – if you can go back to at that time that Kingry signed, did you like the deal or did you think it was too risky of a move based on the fact that he had not signed or not played an MLB game yet? Yeah, the thing is, when they looked at Kingry at that time, they thought he was going to be a cornerstone of the franchise, that he was going to be as important as Reese Hoskins, maybe not the star that Bryce Harper is, but he could carry the team. But they would hope that he's at least a decent bench player at this point. And I guess the thing about Kingery's deal, he's making four and a half million this year. And I believe the most he's making, because it, it's kind of strange how it's set up. It He signed through 2023 and then he has three consecutive club options after that. So, and the most he might be making is like $8 million. So for a team with the Phillies budget, it won't kill them. But of course you would like to have that 4 million freed up because if they didn't sign him, he'd probably be going to arbitration and making close to the league minimum. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a shame that a lot of these players have to take those deals just because the money's waved in their face and right. the, the owners can kind of take advantage of the, the system. And I, I kind of I feel that way more about Aaron Nola. He signed an extension in 2019, I believe, oh, four right. years, around $45 million. He would be a free agent after this year, and he would be – worth over $200 million. I mean, he'll probably get that once he hits free agency after the 2023 season, but the Phillies, it, it's a great deal for them, but they stole two years of his free agency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, I think the, the most blatant 
uh, I don't know what adjective you want to use there, but it is Ronald Acuna. And oh, yeah. The, 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 it was eight years, a hundred million deal he signed. And that looks like, you know, maybe a third, perhaps even a fourth of what he would have gotten. So it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the future is for these prospects and how, just how much the owners can uh, take advantage of them. Because I don't know if you can tell, but we're pretty uh, pro player on this podcast. and anti Yeah. Um, but you did mention him, and I got to ask because, you know, he's the hot topic of anything Nats and Phillies related. That's Bryce Harper. Um, Ryan and I are, I can't tell if it's the majority or the minority anymore, but we love Bryce Harper even still. We wish I miss you, Bryce. Yeah, we wish Nats would have yeah, <laughs> re-signed him. Obviously they could they, really use him right now. I would oh, rather have Bryce Harper in, what, left field over Kyle Schwarber? I put you're him at third base at you're this point. You're preaching to the choir <laughs> right now. So, you know, obviously it worked out just fine for them, but like you said, we're missing someone with Bryce Harper's profile in our lineup currently. But as a Phillies fan, you know, he, he really, you know, wanted to commit to not just the Phillies, but the city of Philadelphia, 13 years, no opt-outs, all that stuff. And obviously the easy answer is win, but as we've seen with Mike Trout, one person can't, you know, win it all for a team. It takes a collective group effort. So my question is, what does Bryce Harper have to do to live up to that contract? So if you're asking the typical Philly, Philadelphia fan, I would say it's to win a World Series. But honestly, I could see him going through that whole contract and not winning a championship. And it's kind of, it's a shame to think about that. Just in this window they have that I think closes at, I don't, I don't, not the very least, but it might close it after 2023. They might not get a World Series out of that. They might not even get a good playoff run. But, yeah, I, I just think Bryce Harper needs to be healthy. He needs to be the best player he can. I, I don't know if I have, like, really big standards or, or anything, but Bryce Harper just needs to be Bryce, and I, I think that's good enough for me. But I don't know if it's good enough for the typical fan who wants to see the Phillies back you know, in the heydays of 2008 to 2011, just dominating the NL East and, and winning pretty much every day. So, yeah, I, that's a good question and something that I haven't really thought about. Yeah, because, I mean, that was the Nats, fan, Nats fans who did not want to re-sign Bryce. That was their argument. They didn't want to give up, you know, 10 years, 300 million, all that stuff. So, But obviously we, we've seen since then, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout was immediately after, but he's kind of the exception to the rule recently, Fernando Tatis. So it's just curious to see how these long contracts are going to play out because it, it is certainly an investment. But I think in the Bryce Harper case, it was less than he was projected to get. So just a curious thing. I mean, we're going to be seeing a lot of him, unfortunately, uh, over you know, yeah. the next 11 years. So I would say that it kind of paid itself because just in that first year, people were yeah. lining up for jerseys. The <laughs> yeah. attendance went up by a whole lot. I, I mean, I worked at Citizens Bank Park in 2019. Everyone was wearing a Bryce Harper jersey. The stadium felt a different way when Bryce Harper hit a home run versus, you know, Reese Hoskins or whatever. So, I mean, he's kind of captured the attention of the Philadelphia sports fan. I don't know how long that's going to last. And honestly, I don't know if the honeymoon period's already over. He's got to win. And, He's got to stay healthy, too. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to evaluate at the end of the, these 13 years, and it's probably going to creep up faster than I think just how 
good of an investment this was. They definitely did not have to sign him for 13 years. That was the product of the Phillies wanting to stretch that contract out for AAV reasons, mm-hmm. and they're going to really regret it in year nine, year 10, when Bryce Harper is aged and he's probably he's probably a DH at that point. Pro- hopefully a good DH at that point, but it's, it's not going to be... And, we don't know where baseball salaries are going to be in 10 years, but it's going to be a burden. Yeah. Well, the pirates still won't be spending money. So you don't have to worry about your instant <laughs> competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is March 23rd today. The season starts in eight days today on March 23rd. Who is your prediction for the Phillies MVP and Cy Young for the 2021 season? Um, can I say Aaron Nola is both the MVP and Cy Young? I like it. I like it. Yeah. 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 Oh, it, he's definitely going to be the Cy Young. It's my only concern is that he's stayed really healthy for the last three years. And I, I really just don't want to see this happen. I really don't want him to get injured and lose a chunk of time. Cause if that happens, the Phillies are done. Like if, if he goes down, the Phillies probably don't have a chance of winning the division or getting a playoff spot. They really need him to carry his team and he's a guy that you know sometimes he could be off his game sometimes if he doesn't have his fastball command he could just get shelled but he give you eight innings with run, run one run and kind of not break a sweat so yeah he might be the MVP in Cy Young that's what I'll say I mean I respect that anytime you pick a pitcher for MVP I am all for it <laughs> while we're doing predictions um what is your record and season prediction for the Phillies this year so I'm, I, I mean, I've been saying this and I probably have to continue saying this because I can't really go back on it. I say 90 wins and a wild card spot. Um, and you know what? I, I'll admit I have my doubts. Their pitching depth isn't as good as, as the Braves. I don't know if they could meet the Mets, but I, I just kind of see like these last couple of years, it really just hasn't gone their way. And this is, this isn't really, you know, the smartest analysis in the world, but it, it just feels like this year is the right year for them. Um, they could get some really big performances out of their stars if they could stay healthy. A lot of things do have to go right, but they really need to make the playoffs, and I think that's what's going to happen. Oh, I, I, I like it. I, I was thinking I think the Nats are going to be much lower than that, but hey, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked a lot about big additions, and there has questionably been, or arguably, no bigger addition to Philly sports this year than Joe Flacco signing with the Eagles. Have to ask, is Joe Flacco elite? <laughs> uh, probably not right now, but I'm really excited about Joe Flacco being the backup quarterback and creating some kind of a quarterback controversy controversy again yeah, who knows? He might i don't know how starter. it's gonna happen yeah who knows um we're gonna have to go through that it's, it's just eagles football is literal hell at this point but <laughs> joe flacco's i mean he's really he's really good looking i i like that about him i remember <laughs> he's a handsome i remember guy. yeah he is i was playing like i don't know if it was madden 06 or madden 05 when he was a rookie and there was, I don't know if it was a franchise mode or just a, a player mode. I always played as Joe Flacco, and I did that for hours and hours and hours, and that always stuck with me. So I'm really happy because it, it seems like everything's coming full circle. 
that at the end of his career, he's coming back home. And maybe when this is all said and done, there's a statue outside of the link of Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all he has to do is win the Super Bowl as a backup, and he'll get a statue. And then exactly. they'll kick whoever the starter is out. But um, you said he's not elite. The thing is, he is always elite. Joe Flacco is <laughs> always elite. So that's the, that's the answer for that one. Um, yeah, so those are all of the questions that we have for you today. Destiny, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us and talk Phillies. You're a fantastic interview. Once again, um, if you guys have not yet, please give her a follow on Twitter. You can find her at Destiny underscore Lugardo. Destiny, thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck this year, except for when the Nats play the Phillies. I hope the Nats win. Nothing personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Nats are going to kill the Phillies. I, I looked this up. I was kind of surprised that the Phillies won seven games against the Nats last year. I don't remember that happening. Because Estrubo Cabrera was at third holding it down? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Desi, thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much to Destiny Legardo from Phillies Nation. Once again, guys, give her a follow on Twitter at Destiny underscore Legardo. And thank you so much for coming on. It was fantastic to talk Phillies with you. Yeah, my favorite part of the Destiny interview in particular was she mentioned the Phillies window, which anytime you mention a window to your own fan base, everybody loses their minds. Like, mm-hmm. But she was very realistic with what the, the Phillies' realistic window is. I think she said 2023. So, you know, that's a pretty, like, standard window if you view yourselves as a competitor because you can't, you know, plan for years and years down the line. So that was cool to hear, and she was a great interview, and Matt as well. So it was very cool, like Ryan said, to get two different uh, perspectives on the Phillies. Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay, so let's talk about our own thoughts on what the Phillies are going to do this year. Um, Looked up the DraftKings. They have the over-under for them at 80.5 wins. What do you guys think for win total? That's... That's funny because the Phillies have not finished with a winning record in almost a decade, in case you guys were wondering. Uh, Phillies are always at 500 or below. I know. I love how they brought it in right there, 80 and a half. (laughs) (laughs) So as you heard from both of our interviews, the big thing is that the Phillies improved their bullpen. I am just so torn the Phillies. I can literally see them finishing in second place getting wild card. I can also see them finishing in fifth place in the division, but I will not predict them to finish above 500 anymore until they actually do. So I am going to say 81 wins because that's what the Phillies always seem to do. So that's my prediction right now is 81 wins. All right. What do you got, Nick? Ryan, you're entirely too low on the Phillies. They are going to break through this year. They're going to have a winning record, and they're going to finish with 82 wins. <laughs> All right, well, I'm even more bullish than you two. I was going to go 83 wins. I think they, they have you're a great a lineup. Mad woman. I don't know. They have a really good lineup if their bullpen can be. We were saying this during 2019 when the Nats were awful before they went on their, their miraculous sarcasm. run. Was the, 81 uh, yes. to 83 is the same thing. It's yeah, the same it's thing. <laughs> but the, um, you know, we were talking about how if they just had like a normal bad bullpen, like not a historically bad bullpen, that they could have been so much better. And I think they're in that same situation. If their bullpen can just be mediocre or even just like a regular amount of bad, I think they've got, they, they could, they could definitely add, have a winning you know, record probably four or five wins yeah, you know, to a, a, a perennial 500 team. So that puts them, you know, right around that 84, 85 mark. 
So, yeah, uh, that's something we talked about with both Matt and Destiny's that, you know, you really couldn't get any worse than you were last year. Like the, the Phillies bullpen last year was pretty much a smaller sample the worst, size. But, I think it's the worst in worst baseball history. In the Nats in, in 2019. And everyone, yeah, their ERA was like nine last year. Yeah, everyone remembers how bad the, the 2019 Nats bullpen was. So that's saying something. But they have made... Shout uh, out Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, they have made... Uh, <laughs> And now look at us. We would gladly take Trevor Rosenthal. But um, they have what a weird interlude. It was him with yeah. the Nats. Strange, yeah. strange thing. But yeah, the Phillies have made market improvements to uh, to their bullpen. So you will see if Archie Bradley and company can can hold it down. And if that depth in the rotation that they're counting on behind uh, Nolan Wheeler can keep them afloat because we know their lineup can hit. So there was never a problem with them scoring runs. They had one of the better lineups in the NL East, but also in the NL, certainly top half. So it's not going to be a matter of scoring runs. It's just a matter of uh, keeping them from scoring. Yep. Okay. Let's talk Twitter questions. We've got, looks like four tonight uh, from at our pal at Meek Phil says, what Phillies pitcher is most likely to give up a home run to Josh Bell off the Liberty Bell? Well, so the answer is, yeah, I was going to say it's all of them, but um, Aaron Nola, (laughs) he's taking Aaron Nola 700 feet this year. I don't care. Yeah, I, what was the final number on that home run? That was a towering home 752 run. feet. <laughs> 52? Yeah. Um, all of them. I mean, I, I don't think any pitcher is safe. So hide your kids, hide your wife, because Josh Bell is coming. I loved that. It was like one of my favorite internet things that ever happened. I haven't thought about that one in a while. So I, I'm a little annoyed because I was – um, one of the first ones to say I'm going to have to get a Josh Bell jersey, and now everyone's saying they're going to have to get a Josh Bell jersey. And because I haven't been able to get mine yet because it's not available anywhere, I feel like I'm not as, uh, you know, there's no precision. Cutting edge. Right, You're, you're yeah. not leading the trend. Right, and, you know, what's the point if you're not leading? Yeah, I suppose. But isn't it a good thing that he's playing well enough that everybody wants his jersey? I mean, he could have just, like, held off a little longer until, you know, I could have bought his jersey somewhere. Jeez. I know. He's so inconsiderate. I know. What's up, Josh? Can you be so inconsiderate? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next question is from at truck2112. Over under 25 starts for Strasburg this season. This is a good question. It's 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 a good line, too. It's a really good line. Speaking of Stras, Mark Zuckerman just tweeted that Stras referred to a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so he just tweeted that Stras referred to his calf in- injury as a ruptured tendon. I'm sorry, said, what now? <laughs> he said that obviously sounds really bad, but doctors immediately told him it's not a tendon he needs and he didn't need anything to be repaired. Said he was good in three to five days and he had no issues with it pitching tonight. 25 is tough. I'm going to go under just because it's Strauss. And I feel like Strauss just always has really, really weird things happen to him in the season. So I'm going to sadly go over, even though I really want to get 30 starts. Um, I didn't really, I guess it's not a huge surprise, but you know, if there's tendons Strauss doesn't need, can we just like take them all out? So <laughs> he, he, he doesn't like have this stuff happen to him anymore um replace them with bionic tendons or right yeah or yeah you know it's it's like a like a gallbladder like do you really need it now so i mean like an appendix you just get that out of there you know wisdom teeth heart like wisdom tendons can we just (laughs) (laughs) yeah um god 25 is a really really good line i'm gonna say over 
just out of sheer optimism um, and hope, but I'm also going to add the caveat of not by much. So we're talking like 26. maybe 25, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, I, I think I would take the under on 30 if that's what it was at. I'm going to take the over mostly for the same reason you did. I'm willing it into existence. Um, but I, yeah, if, if he came in significantly less than that, I wouldn't be surprised. He just does tend to have injuries. You know, a, a full healthy season would be just phenomenal. If I could pick one person to have a healthy season this year, yep. it would be Strauss. But uh, yeah, I'll take the over, but with, with heavy reservations, I'll say. <laughs> Do you guys remember when he missed the start because he had uh, icy hot in his balls? <laughs> that's actually yeah. a legitimate reason i see pitchers miss starts because they have like a blister oh I think it is not fun <laughs> i see hot on your undercarriage is an acceptable reason to miss a start. and it, it was already it was like i remember the game because i'm pretty sure it was against it's either against the indians or the Padres. oh no i think he he tore his ucl against the indians and the the icy hot incident was against the padres and it was the like icy hot incident <laughs> it, it was it was hot in the middle of summer too. So I don't blame him whatsoever. Cause that it's not fun regardless, but and there's nothing you can do to wash that stuff off. Once that's I on mean, your skin, you're just waiting it out. There's that, nothing. You can that do. was a unseasoned, uh, Steven Strasburg. They had to go sign Max Scherzer to teach Steven Strasburg the ways of icy hot. And now Strauss has finally like come well, around. What he needs is some ball toner from Manscaped. So exactly. Feel like right, he needs yeah. to resort to icy hot in those situations. Cool that down down there. <laughs> call us steve call yeah. us oh don't right. call him steve <laughs> i know that's he hates weird. that that was the whole point <laughs> yeah that's weird <laughs> <laughs> all right next one is from at bds sports p who says how many times does bryce strike out against us does that mean like for the 69 season? nice uh i mean how many games do we have against each other what like 17 19 19 19 uh so i'll say 19 you think one strikeout per game? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we have good think. pitchers that and strikeout pitchers. So I think it's a little bit above. You know, I don't know what he typically averages per season. I think 162 might be I'm gonna a little go, high. I'm going to go but... tw like 28. That's like, I don't know, God. I think my math is right. I think my math is right. That's like one and a half per on average. So yeah. like some games one and some games two. He lot. strikes out a lot. I mean, he's a slugger. Well, this is true, but he's also going to have an MVP season this year. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. The MVP is Trey Turner. Listen, if we pick him every year, eventually we're going to be right. That's how that <laughs> I works. I suppose. All right. One more question we have is from at B Mayfield, who says, when do you think Zimmerman <laughs> first injected for this season? Um. Baker, thanks for listening, man. Um, I'm a really big fan of yours. I also heard you love the baby. Shout out Kai. Um, he so instead of working out this offseason, he just started doing steroids. Zim is on fire right now, and the only logical explanation is steroids. And I'm gonna say the first time he did was on Christmas morning. He like unopened his gift from Santa, and it was a big old needle. So he got steroids for Christmas. There was also a note saying the Nats traded for Josh Bell. So you know, it worked out there. It worked um, out. You know, Ryan Zimmerman is, uh, you know, the flip side of the coin to Steven Trosberg of what can go right when you put Icy Hot on your balls. So Wow. A lot of, a lot of Icy Hot on the balls talk tonight. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I don't think he's juicing on steroids. However, I do think if he's if you told me he was getting regular uh, injections, what do they call them? The ones cortisone, that like cortisone. Yeah, if you told me he was getting regular cortisone injections, I would believe you. He looks very loose and like he's having a great time, and he's playing on. He's playing great. It looks as he looks better than he has in years. I hope he can keep it up into the into the season. Maybe a if year off is just what the doctor ordered. If only we had the DH. Yeah, still don't want the DH, but I'm happy to see Zimmerman's doing well. Well, you won't be seeing him doing well because he we don't have the DH, so we won't be playing all that often. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we no, we'll actually we see. won't because he's not going to be playing all that. Oh, long. can you make up your mind? I thought last week he was going to be our new third baseman, and this week you think he's not going to play a lot? I don't know. Well, Mark Zuckerman just tweeted that he's not an option at third base, so I have received new information and adjusted my stance accordingly. That's what a good baseball analyst uh, personality host does. Analyst personality host. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> they they don't just dig in and keep the same outdated stance just because they're too stubborn to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're right, you're right. You but know, you're wrong in this case. No, I, but I am right. Well, we can do our nanny nanny boo boo. I'm right and you're wrong another time. I don't think anybody else who's listening to this wants to hear us argue about the DH again. But all right, I think that's it for us this evening. You guys got anything else? Uh, no, you're listening to this on Thursday. Well, I guess I, I guess I do have. <laughs> I, no, but let me more. add something else. Yeah. You're listening to this on Thursday. My top ten baseball stadiums comes out tomorrow, Friday. So be sure to take. Uh, look at that on the website. Absolutely. And the uh, also sorry? we have a pretty good interview with some Braves reporter coming out in our next episode. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be pretty exciting. Yes, definitely. We've, it's been really fun to talk to some of the uh, people who cover the opposing teams in our division because you really get a little bit of a different viewpoint than a bunch of Nats fans talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, and while we're plugging things, uh, shout out Monty for doing his, uh, you know, written breakdown of our division rivals in addition to our podcast. So when this drops, there'll be a, a what's the, uh, a corresponding article from Monty on the site about the Phillies. Yeah, they're really terrific, these articles yeah. he's been doing on each of the divisional opponents. So if you haven't checked those out on the website, make sure you do. They are chock full of fantastic information. Yep. Agreed. All right. Y'all have a good night. We will talk next week. See you. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go Score, we're gonna win for sure
2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.